Citizen Podcast. Welcome to Citizen Podcast. My name's Carrie Kelly, and we've been doing something different the last few episodes by partnering with our friends at the Faith Matters Network around a series called How We Get Through, Collective Resilience in a World on Fire. And I get to be here with my dear friend and co-conspirator, Mickey Scott Bay Jones, to tee up this special episode. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Carrie. This particular conversation is really timely as it explores how we reach for each other across distance and space so that we can build beloved communities in these unique times. It features Minister Lauren Cunningham, Francisca Porches Coronado, Reverend Brandon Rencher, and Minister Leah Allen, and offers a really cool behind the scenes perspective by leaders who are innovating and adapting community spaces for healing, for grieving and for transformation. Yeah, I was really knocked out of my seat by what Lauren said early in the conversation. She said, there is no end to what a living world will demand of you. You know, and I think that even though we're on our screens and the presence is reduced to screens and keystrokes and muting and unmuting, like, you know, that can feel not as alive, maybe. Mm. Um, But we are still alive and the the world demands that we live. Um, And, you know, you're, you're right in your description that this conversation was just full of examples, full of encouragement and you know, that's what I need to revisit right now as I'm thinking about how, you know, I'm going into another year of planning ways to be together that are not what I was used to before 2020. Um, And, you know, I know we're talking about things like vaccines and hopefully planning to be together in physical spaces sometime in 2021. But the reality is that we'll likely be in virtual spaces largely or only for some months to come. And it will take time to get a critical mass of folks vaccinated, to have people be immune and to be able to gather in large numbers, um, maybe even in small numbers safely. So we have to continue to think about these digital spaces that we're creating together. And Lauren and Francisca and Leah and Brandon have given us um, these stories from their own work the hard-learned lessons from the work they've been doing, and yes, encouragement for how these spaces can continue to be uh, for the first time or for, you know, continue to be healing, restorative, generative, and full of that connection that we're seeking. Yes. So, you know, another line that really hit me was when Francisca, I think, said, I'm stepping into my own healership. Yeah. Whew. You know, like, uh, and that that's going to look different, right? For different people and based on your training and your gifts um, and what your community needs, you know? And so that really, that really got to me. Yeah. Well, and, and just the way in which it demands that we center healing above all else regardless of our relationship to it, right? I mean, I think not everyone considers themselves a healer. Not all people are holding space for healing. And yet um, it does feel like all of us need to center 
right? The practice of healing, the spirit yeah. of healing as we meet this moment and move forward. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I was deeply appreciative of how it was uh, brought up that we are learning these ways. Um, even if this, some of this, you know, actually reflects who we are, but we're learning the ways of um, making a way out of no way from black folks, from trans and queer people um, who have been doing this for a long time, who've been finding alternative ways to meet and be together. Um, and so there's so much wisdom um, in those communities and we need to circle back to that wisdom and ask ourselves who our teachers are, um, who our peers are and where we're actually, you know, getting direction for how we move forward together. Mm. Yeah, it says a lot about um, who we should be following um, and listening to, right? Folks who have been creative and subversive for so long because they've had to be, because the system, right, was already not working for them. Um, And so this is not new for many people. Um, and, And so what does that mean? Like, what is the stance that we take in relationship with one another so that we can learn from people who have been trailblazing all along? Right. And, you know, at a time where it's maybe even more tempting to focus on followers and like, you know, how many clicks am I getting? How many people are watching this webinar that I'm doing or this Instagram live and whatever, right? Like that it's not about follow followership. It's about creating alternatives. You know, like we cannot go back to the way it was, that there is an inclusiveness that we've gained in some circles. I mean, not everybody, but you know, will we keep pushing for more and more access Um, You know, are we going to continue to democratize these tools? And these are the questions that they were asking and not coming from a point of like, oh, I figured it all out and all my webinars are inclusive for every single person and da, 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 da. But like they're asking these questions and wrestling with these and, and asking what technologies are actually important to be using right now. Yeah, I love that. And uh, what does it mean to to advance accessibility right into the future, advance the ways in which we're able to to meet each other across technology. But it's also reminding me of what what Leah was saying about what we also need to be cautious of, right? In terms of slipping back into um, those old ways, right? Those old sort of white supremacist um, patterns of urgency and perfectionism and performance, contemplating uh, how to create space for healing that demands space and mystery that decolonizes our healing spaces, right? Um, so that we can evolve them forward, so that they can be truly accessible and liberatory. Yeah, there, and it was just, to me, such a, um, you know, such a conversation that came out of humility. Um, it, it doesn't feel like um, you're, you're somehow being talked down to by folks who are running these huge webinars or who have huge platforms. It's not about that. Um, this is not about some kind of celebrity thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's in little things like, okay, I just led 10 people in meditation online. And these, these were the lessons that I learned Mm -hmm. during that. Or, you know, we had to figure out how to connect with people um, across generations, some who could work Zoom and some who couldn't. Um, and so what does it actually look to create uh, 
ways of connecting that actually work for all of the folks. And so I felt really welcomed into the conversation yeah. as a participant. Um, and so I'm really hoping that everybody who listens uh, in this way through the podcast will feel welcomed into the conversation as well. Yeah, I love that you said that because it's, you know, all of us are um, distanced from one another in different ways, obviously, and we're all navigating this new world, right, of how do I connect um, across space, across technology, across distance? Um, how do I heal in this moment? I even loved what they were talking about when um, when they were uh, describing the ways in which we've had to um, adapt spaces to allow for grieving, right? To allow um, for, for naming the losses and the injustices. And um, I, I totally agree. I think this conversation meets everyone where they are um, and invites people to be in, um, in inquiry around what does yeah. it look like to, to move forward? What does it look like to heal together? across time and space and what does it look like to create spaces that allow for um, regenerative futures that's right so on that note i think let's just turn it over to the listeners y'all um make the space and take the time that you need and um really listen and drop into the wisdom that is is shared in this amazing episode enjoy this is good times I want to introduce um, introduce our introduce our panelists. So, uh, first off, Francisca Porcha Coronado. <laughs> there we go. Thank you, thank you. I told uh, Francisca that I was I was so afraid. I'm always uh, afraid uh, to to butcher folks' names, especially gathering virtually and not being able to to all uh, get together prior to physically and and really connect with one another. Um, she was so gracious. Uh, but Francisca is the founder of the Latinx Therapist Action Network and host of La Cura podcast from Mahente's Support Committee. Francisca is a Mexican immigrant, Chiacana Latinx feminist, and anti-racist organizer with over 15 years of organizing experience. So we're grateful to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here. Reverend Brandon Rencher is a minister, an organizer, writer, and trainer. I have the honor of working alongside, journeying alongside Brandon in, in Greensboro, North Carolina with the Good Neighbor Movement. Um, Brandon works across the US. Um, within faith, education, and nonprofit sectors at the intersections of decolonizing church. He's a content contemplative activist, um, and he builds a local presence to build beloved communities. As a serial innovator and church planter, Brandon's latest venture is starting the Good Neighbor Movement with a team of friends and neighbors. And last but not least, Minister Leah Allen, works at the intersections, intersection of faith and justice, particularly with BIPOC and LGBTQ plus communities in the South. Uh, their ministry is rooted in the idea that the church can be a vehicle 
for organizing and mobilizing people toward collective liberation. Welcome friends, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yeah, let's settle into this place. Now we, we have some of those like formalities out of the way. Hey y'all, how y'all doing? <laughs> Go ahead and unmute yourselves. How y'all doing? What's up? Hey. Good to be here. Hey, 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 hey. So, you know, a part of, a part of our rhythm um, uh, within the Good Neighbor Movement and, and just since the pandemic has forced us to shift um, and hold virtual space is this practice of checking in. It, it has become a practice to check in. How are you? And I invite all of those um, who are tuning in today to drop in the chat. How check in with us. How are you? And that's a real question. How are you? How are you entering today's space? What are you carrying? And I invite our uh, panelists to, to do the same. So um, yeah, just for the sake of a little bit of order, um, why, don't, why don't I call on someone and then you can pass it to another panelist. How about that? So um, yeah, let's start with uh, Minister Leah. And Leah, can I just say Leah? Is that all right? Yes, Wonderful. please. Leah. Yeah, how are you? Well, thank you for asking, Lauren. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope you're going to check in as well when we round it out. But I <laughs> am feeling really blessed to be here. I'll be honest, I was anxious about today. Mm -hmm. um, first, I didn't know if I could make it happen. And, and now I'm here. And, uh, and you know, there's one thing about uh, being in a pulpit versus being on a camera. Nothing hides. Right mm -hmm. here, you see me. Mm -hmm. You see everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I'm one of those people who my emotions tend to show on on the on the outside too. So I am uh, bringing into the space a sense of um, gratitude for rest. I've been able to mm -hmm. take a couple of days off, much needed. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm bringing in also a heaviness with me uh, because of everything uh, that is happening externally in the world, but also in my personal and interpersonal uh, mm -hmm. spaces. And so definitely bringing that into the room and, and I feel like uh, this is the space to do it. We're talking about healing. We're talking about, you know, getting real about um, our well-being and our souls. So mm -hmm. that's what mm -hmm. I'm bringing. And I'm going to pass it off to Francisca. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Super happy to be on here with everyone. Um, and to get to know um, a lot of you. Uh, I am doing good. I am alive, I'm healthy, I'm grateful. And I, um, I this morning was contemplating on how this particular pandemic moment, for lack of a better word, although it feels like forever, is, is really pushing me from organizing healers um, and setting up spaces physically for them to really tend to our movements, to, to really step into my own healership. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm just grateful for the opportunity and I feel like I'm at my edges in a good way. Um, mm -hmm. well, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, Brandon. You're going to round us out. Yeah, I will. Yeah, thanks for having me, y'all. It's good to, to share virtual space with you. Um, and it's good to see several folks in the chat that that I know. Hello to, to those folks. Um, 
what I'm bringing in this space. Um, yeah, I'm bringing in uh, holding at bay in some ways, um, a lot of loss um, in, in terms of folks in my personal life, my family who are suffering right now uh, uh -huh. because of COVID-19 and other situations. And so, yeah, that's sort of playing in the background of my head and my mind. Um, so uh, that's that. I'm also bringing into this space um, my family because I'm also, um, um, yeah, like there's a, there's a way in which um, uh, having to do um, the work that I've been called to from home while also <laughs> trying to facilitate remote learning and uh, for my kids and um, supporting my my partner and um, her work and, and schooling, there's just a lot of a lot going on in my, my uh -huh. home. So, so that's a that's one way of me also saying if I, if one of my little ones comes and taps me on the shoulder, <laughs> I apologize. That's that's my life right now. Um, so carrying that and and kind of and a little bit of anxiety around anticipating how often that's going to happen. Um, uh -huh. So carrying that with me. And then last, I, I'll say. Um, also carrying in um, some relief too. This this week in particular has been, um, yeah, has been emotionally exhausting. I, I do feel like I, I resonate with what Leah shared about um, the impact of virtual space on our bodies and our emotions. And um, yeah, I, I'm I, I definitely, yeah, I'm I am ready to be done with this uh, <laughs> with the vir virtual virtual everything. And so. Um, but the reason why I bring that up is to say that um, uh, towards this second half of the week, I've just felt a little bit of relief of not having to be, um, have as congested of a virtual schedule um, uh -huh. uh, yesterday and today. And so really bringing that relief in as well. So yeah, mm -hmm. thanks for asking, Lauren. Yeah, yeah. Grateful to share space with you all. And I, I will certainly check in. I. I resonate with so much that you all are sharing. Um, it's it's both and right carrying this this heaviness, this anxiety, this level of uncertainty, but also this like gratefulness, gratefulness that that um, I'm able to recline into community um, in virtual spaces like this, um, and 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 physically being able to um, to safely. Do some do some social distancing in parks and open spaces and you know that that kind of stuff too. But um, so grateful for these spaces. I think I think that um, that that's what it feels like. I definitely have some some anxiety with with yeah just present and I want to acknowledge that in my body, um, observe it and and let it move on through. Um, so I can be fully present with you all. So thank you. Thank you for checking in. I'm glad. Um, yeah, I'm glad you leaned into that and touched into those spaces. Um, so let's let's get started. How um, how has the pandemic and the uprisings around the country shifted your work with your organizations, with your communities? Um, around virtual healing spaces. Um, yeah, so let's just take a second and let that question land. And um, and then, yeah, whoever wants to hop in first. And then again, we'll we'll just kind of make our make our way around. So anyone wanna 
Want to start us off? I can add. I can start. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks, Francisco. Um, so I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and a lot of my work over the past six years here has been in very intimate um, ways with migrant community, people who are in the process of either being deported or who have lost um, a loved one to deportation physically, obviously, or who um, are fighting for somebody to be released from detention. And so a lot of my work over the past uh, six years was um, with them in person, accompanying them um, and supporting them. And we would do these amazing Saturday, Sábados de Sanación, so we call them in Spanish, Healing Saturdays, where we would twice a month gather and bring healers together and do acupuncture and body work and what we call as cleansing, limpias, which is very traditional indigenous work. Um, and that just kind of halted very abruptly. Um, and it's been really hard. I think the biggest ache I have in my heart has been not being able to really do that kind of work with our folks mm -hmm. and that there's real, um, and we can talk about this later. I'm curious what you all have to say about it. Exclusion from the, the current platforms that we're in are not very accessible to working class um, immigrant people, poor people, um, non-English speakers, people that don't have the either technology or the language to uh -huh. be able to navigate them. And, um, and that's hard. And so uh -huh. it's been hard to not be around my folks like that and not be able to serve them in a real way. Uh -huh. um, but with that being said, there has been a real explosion of movement really wanting these kinds of spaces. Whereas honestly, uh, you know, I come from the immigrant rights movement and the movement against criminalization and incarceration, et cetera, policing. And, um, and people were not in a space of really hitting up all the healers in their circles to be like, we need this. And so with this pandemic and with the uprisings, there really has been this spiritual, physical uh, hunger for these kinds of spaces. And so I'm really grateful that I've been pushed uh, to really figure out how to curate and bring other healers closer um, to get creative and to really create the kind of um, feeling and the kind oh. of support that people really want. Everything from big webinars with lots of tools and theory to small circles where people can feel seen, can feel belonging and connection. Um, so that's been a little bit of, of the shift in my work and I'm still mm -hmm. in the process of figuring out how you access working people. Um, and if maybe exploring, like you said, Lauren, the spaces now that the numbers are slightly like a lot lower here in Arizona to be able to gather in open spaces and figure that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Francisca, I, I, I really appreciate you, you naming that, um, accessibility, Accessibility is something that I know our work here in Greensboro has forced us, um, even, even when things were not, uh, the numbers weren't taking a dip. And now, you know, here, here in North Carolina, the numbers are, are, are rising again. Um, and we're, you know, we're hitting flu season, right? So like there, there's a lot that's still happening, but when it comes to work, connecting with our community of working class folks, 
who don't have access to technology, who who are just not technologically savvy, just because I mean, it's just not in their wheelhouse. <laughs> um, we we've had to get creative and public open spaces like parks and setting. I mean, so this this our conversation today is going to focus on virtual healing spaces, but I really appreciate you naming um, like it's not for everyone it's, it's not inclusive um, of everyone. So thank you. Thank you for naming that. Um, yeah. Leah, Brandon, Brandon, you're unmuted. So I'm going to kick it to you. And then Leah, you can you can wrap us yeah. up with, it, with this first question. Yeah, I really, really appreciate Francisca, Francisca you um, raising um, that truth about accessibility for, of these platforms. And I, I had planned on starting off in a different way, but I, I want to, it's really important for me to, to, to respond to that because that's been something that's been a shift um, in that uh, some of how um, we have had to shift um, in light of the, the pandemic and the uprisings um, is to take the, so this is gonna sound so funny <laughs> and it's not, is that like the phone has become a different kind of, you know, um, best friend in terms of connecting with um, working class folks, um, uh, black communities where we are in Greensboro. I never would have thought I'd say that, <laughs> but it's the truth. Be being able to um, connect by taking the time to enter into just simple phone conversations. Um, now we we've you know done that through deep canvassing, through deep listening to folks that create possibilities for folks to gather in small circles in open spaces. But it started with the the technology that was the most accessible for folks where we where we were able to really connect because we didn't want to leave anybody behind. And that's been really, really crucial. So I think I think some of the other pieces for for me in terms of shifts to my work um, is that um, the pace has been crazy. Um, and it's and it, it has definitely um, sort of fluctuated, but in general, the pace overall has been much, um, uh, it, it's been a, a, uh, a I don't wanna say quicker pace, but just, you know, one thing I said at the beginning of the pandemic to Lauren and to our communities that like, you know, before I felt like we moved in a more measured way and in a slower kind of way. And I feel like now um, it's not so much that we're moving quickly. Definitely we had to move quickly around the uprisings in terms of rapid response and also rapid response around mutual aid. And that has been the case too. But but it's but it's not just the the it being quick, it's that there being many kind of concentric circles. Like having like the because there in many ways we are more accessible. Um, um virtually and some, with some of these technologies, there's a way in which it feels like the pace is, um, has been uh, sort, of, sort of staggered, maybe is a good way to talk about it. And then, and then the other thing I say in terms of a shift to the work um, is the need to create containers, which kind of relates to this piece around kind of different circles. I've felt, I've felt uh, where, where before there's a, there's a real sense in which um, the people that we were attending to, the folks that we were organizing, um, we, we, again, we moved at a more measured kind of pace because of the 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 needs just being so um, so disproportionate, um, 
And so just kind of in your face, um, just right, right next door and in our neighborhoods, there's been a need to, once we gather folks in healing spaces, to figure out sort of what's the next container space for folks to be able to continue to build together and be in relationship and, and go forth together. So that's been something else too, is, is the need to be thinking ahead about um, not, not five-year plans, but like the next, the next few weeks, the next month, right? Um, kind, of, kind of container space. And then lastly, I think the other piece is what Lauren has mentioned, which is just the urgency of checking in. We checked in, um, checking in has been a practice um, that, that we engage in before the pandemic, before the uprisings. But goodness, it has felt like since um, the pandemic and the uprisings, there's been, a, there's been a, a need to check in. There's been an urgency to check in um, because of the ways in which these virtual spaces are impacting us. Uh, mentally and emotionally, and then of course all that we're losing in terms of plans and people, um, and and um, and then of course all that we're seeing and witnessing in terms of violence on a scale that is um, just yeah, it's just it's in our face um, in a different kind of way, and so so yeah, just being being sure to create uh, the shift to to be sure to create time for checking in. Um, as not just something to sort of check off, as something to sort of move past, but as something that is an essential practice for how we gather virtually um, and to take that time for reflection and for remembering and for resonating. I know for me, and this is the last thing I'll say, one of the things that I'm witnessing just in the last month is just how foggy my memory is getting um, because, of, because of the, and so like taking the time to, to reflect and to check in is such a gift for me because when I come into a space, even if I have notes, it's just a fogginess in my head and in my heart that being able to check in becomes an incredible way to, to sort of um, be present with my body, be present with the body of people gathered and with the body of, of the wider body of what we're experiencing um, um, at scale. So, so that's what those shifts have, have looked like for me. Mm -hmm. Thanks, B. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, Leah. I got my little amen corner over here. I'm nodding, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> try to keep it composed on, on Zoom. But honestly, um, what Francisca and Brandon have said, it's like, it's, it's, it's everything and more that I would want to say. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I have noticed that has changed is like two things an awareness of urgency and perfectionism. And so Brandon mm. was talking about the urgency of needing to check in. And for me, it's been noticing as I uh, work in a um, predominantly white congregation, uh, but my healing work is mostly for people of color. Uh, there's been this awareness of these traits of white supremacy, of mm. urgency and perfectionism. And I had to be aware of that and learn that I can't lean into that when we're talking about healing spaces. I mean, in my context in the South, right, we would call it doing the most. Mm -hmm. So just got to pull back from trying to do the most and, um, and recognize that, number one, uh, crafting and trying to create a healing space is not going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, you have to leave room for spirit. You have to leave room for the ancestors. You have to leave room for the things that people are bringing into the space. Because mm -hmm. you never know how it's going to flow and navigate and change 
change the energy and change what you may have planned. Your agenda might just get thrown out the window because you're trying to care, care to people's needs right then and there. Uh-huh. But also um, healing spaces uh, do not, do not always um, allow for us, you know, when we're doing it virtually. So a lot of rooms I've used have been Zoom and re- more recently Facebook. It's not always going to allow for us um, to make sure that everyone is, is seen and heard. So when Francisco was talking about accessibility, that's been the number one thing for me. It's how do I make sure that folks are able to plug in um, so we're talking about the chat, but also using captionings, which Face Matters Network has really been a model for that during this mm-hmm. pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just the accessibility of being able to reach out and talk. And so for me, it has pulled me away from this sense of, you know, uh, perfectionism and urgency and made me really slow down to do meaningful healing work. Um, I've done pastoral care one-on-one with people. And as Brandon said, the phone has become (laughs) the new thing. And also my email inbox is blowing up because people want to send me this long emails. And there's a grace that I'm so appreciative of when I let someone know, hey, I know you sent me this email 12 days ago and I'm just getting to it, but I promise you (laughs) that I have not ignored you and I've been thinking about it and meditating on it. And um, and so it's just, just for me, the pandemic has made me aware of the ways in which I need to push back against urgency and perfectionism mm-hmm. um, and to help the white folks in my congregation um, and the black indigenous people of color in other spaces to be aware of it and be aware of, we're do- of when we're doing it. Um, we've got to decolonize our healing spaces if we want mm-hmm. to really allow for you know, real healing to take place. Amen, Leah. Yes, 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 yes. All of that and some. I, um, yeah, I think the, when I spoke of anxiety earlier, a part of that is perfectionism, right? This, this feeling that like this has to, I have to be perfect. This has to be perfect. We have to be perfect. And what in healing spaces, I mean, if you're Maybe in other spaces that that works, but in healing spaces, a part of what makes it genuine and authentic is that you can be a mess. You get to bring everything. The you can eat your dinner. You if can you haven't eat. eaten, go ahead and eat. It doesn't matter. That's yep. a part of your yep. radical self-care and your healing. Yes. Yes. Because if not, what it could look like is, is performative. Like you're, you're performing. Right. You're performing these, you're performing a ritual and not experiencing one. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I just, yeah, it, what we're experiencing, experiencing in this pandemic and around racial justice and yeah, and so many other things. I mean, there's no time for that. There's no time for performance. And so, um, yeah, I just really appreciate you naming that, just naming it, that, yeah, that's something that has to be abolished. Uh, this sense of urgency, this sense of perfection, um, that, yeah, mm-hmm. we, we can be a mess. We can eat. We can drink water. We can, we, yeah, we can be in a T-shirt. We can have makeup on, no makeup on, whatever, a hat on, whatever the case may be. 
kids, pets. I see Mickey just put the kids, pets. Yes, this is <laughs> life right now. This is life. We can't attempt to beautify, um, yeah, our lament and what and what we're experiencing. So I really appreciate appreciate your name. Any Brandon, uh, Francisca, do, do y'all want to say anything to? Yeah, can I add one thing real quick? You sure can. I don't want to, um, because perfectionism, I just want to name that I'm naming things that I'm fighting against myself, right? It's mm-hmm. not like, let me just put this out there like I'm the expert. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I hope to learn from, I'm learning already from Brandon and Francisca, and I hope to learn from, from folks who are joining us live and who will watch mm-hmm. later and just sharing this. But uh, I don't want what I said to be uh, ignorant or dismissive of intentionality. Mm-hmm. It is right. very important. Mm-hmm. that for those of us who are curating these spaces for folks to get healed, including the ones, those of us who are facilitating, mm-hmm. that we put the time and the intentionality into it. And that speaks back to the urgency. It's slow mm-hmm. down and really try to process who it is you're trying to reach. Are they going to be able to come into the room, the space, the phone call, the email, whatever it is, right? The, the outdoor gathering, putting that time into the intentionality of it is important we don't want to rush into mm-hmm. trying to do this work because part of the transformation at least for me has been in the process of mm-hmm. curating the space mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and I, I resonate with that in terms of what you're saying about the the process itself yeah it, it's 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 as though you know like maybe before the pandemic and the, these uprisings um a process could be taken for granted, perhaps, but the but the process is part of the work in a in a in a really really profound way, and um, and so you know I think that for me what that means is, um, while it feel while while it's certainly true that um, the needs of our people are expounded in a really real way, given that access to our infrastructures um, are so limited because of um, you know, closing down the economy, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's also true that um, for e- it feels like for every increment, right, for every um, sort of one step, one person, one group in which I am uh, sort of gathering around healing for virtual space or some other technology, it's so laborious. Like it's so, like, like, I'm, like I'm exhausted when I'm, you know, like that. And so the reason why I think it's important to name that is because um, it speaks to what you're saying, Leah, that like, you, like there's a real way in which perfectionism is the enemy of being able to have that kind of um, uh, commitment to want be, to be willing to expend myself um, for, mm. for, 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 the, for the work that's mine to do. So in other words, I can't do everything, but for the, but for the work that's mine to do that feels incremental, but every part of it feels so, um, uh, so laborious in a, in a, in a, in a good way. Right. But, but it doesn't make it any less impactful and, um, and it doesn't make it any, it, it doesn't make, um, the need for, um, breathing and checking in any less important. And in fact, it makes it much more, um, important. And so, um, I just appreciate you naming that piece around process and around, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's really true for what I've experienced too. Yeah, I definitely believe that process, the process is where some of the most meaningful learning takes place. And, and 
Yeah, Fran Francisca, do you, do you? There's a part of me that, I mean, there's a lot of part of me that is really <laughs> excited about, um, you know, what post the pandemic, I know we're all excited about being in each other's spaces, obviously, that's amazing. And then also there's something that's being broken open right now where sometimes you don't realize you need something until you literally are in a lot of pain for a lack of a better word. And I think that there's no, part of me feels like there's no going back. Like all those folks that I've been shocked at the organizations that have reached out to me really wanting to figure out how they can create these spaces because there's real need in their organizations and there's real need in their communities mm -hmm. where I know for sure, because I work with organizers and movement builders and, and the types of sectors that, you know, coming from that more mentality of like toughen up, like tough love, like, you know, put, put all those feelings away. Let's, you know, let's, it, it's all about the fight and not necessarily centering politicized healing as, um, or healing in a politicized way. So I'm excited about what is both being cultivated right now and what all of you are cultivating in different communities and spaces, and then also what can come after this. So not, not, not one thing is how we've adapted. And the other thing is like, all that's being cultivated and how we can actually put this into practice once this is done, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've seen a million flowers bloom uh, and it's really beautiful to me. And I think that people are seeking, yes, it's obviously a lot of like how you curate a space and um, all of the things that Leah and Brandon have said about being intentional and how it is actually a lot of work. I. It is a lot of work and exhausting, but also it's that what I've noticed also and learned a lot uh, or observed, I think that's the right word, what I've observed is that people are coming for these things that are about belonging, about connection, about resourcing themselves. And I think that there is a way in which to curate spaces that create that feeling and create that that resource that you can walk away feeling that thing, you know, it's a feeling. And then, um, and then also like allowing for all those people that want to create these types of spaces themselves, a creativity and the belief that, that it is possible to create those sentiments that, that um, atmosphere through the screen. And I've seen it and I have felt it. And so mm -hmm. I'm excited about what's, bloomed um and i'm excited about what can come after this you know pandemic and this you know electoral uh, mm -hmm. sort of madness that has created a lot of despair for sure in me and a lot of people that i know yeah yeah and and let's let's talk about what has bloomed for you all uh, let's talk about some of the virtual spaces that you have co-created um, with others. Um, I'm, I'm sure folks who, who are watching are, are excited to hear about some of these spaces that, that you've, you've, you've uh, created. And um, yeah, so I will go, let's see, let's go to Brandon. Um, you want to share about a space, yeah. a virtual space? Yeah, so I, um, our 
work of gathering folks in virtual space for healing has sort of been sort of uh, in, in sort of two buckets. Um, sort of these public large um, gatherings um, of gathering people and, and sort of they've been, they've, they've varied from like worship services to um, uh, spaces of witness to in particular witness around the kind of grief that we're experiencing in this moment to educational spaces um, where we are doing the work of formation and, and teaching. Um, and uh, so that have, that's been some of some of the sort of that category. And then um, these smaller spaces of um, intimacy that have been much more about storytelling and using other other sorts of um, practices to yeah, gather folks around um, um, embodiment and really experiencing all the feels, experiencing, um, yeah, what it is that um, their truth in this moment and how they can act on that. And so uh, we've, from art making um, to, to ritual, um, and like I mentioned, storytelling, those intimate spaces have been really, really important in small groups um, that we've, we've curated. And so um, yeah, and I think I think just to sort of highlight one of them that has been uh, we've heard from folks has been um, really powerful. I speak to the one around um, grief. We um, the the very first virtual gathering that we had for healing was the day before Easter, um, and um, it was called Freedom's Eve. And at that service, where we it was kind of, in many ways it was sort of our um, we were we were really kind of testing out like how like we had never done anything like that before. And what came out of that space was um, a call from this gathered virtual community from uh, mainly based in Greensboro, but really from across the country of wanting to gather again uh, virtually to honor the grief and loss that folks were experiencing. And so we organized a bi-coastal um, uh, gathering called the Collective Day of Grief uh, with a coalition of organizations and faith communities, um, mainly based in Oakland and Greensboro where we gather folks to um, name the loss that, that we, um, the losses that we are experiencing, um, to name um, the injustice that is causing us um, lament and grief. And, um, and that was a powerful witness of gathering folks by coastal um, from um, diverse religious traditions um, to to bear witness to to that to that grief and to say that grief I love what Francisca said that grief that emotion grief and and lament um, is um, can be politicized for our work um, in the world and, and and if we if we are willing to hold space for it right if we're willing to attend to it um, it can actually that touching those points of pain can really really activate us. To, um, to take care of each other um, in these mm -hmm. times and to resist in ways that, um, that we need to uh, because uh, um, th there's a way in which grief and lament uh, are, are kind of a way of saying no, right? It's a way of saying no um, if we're willing to touch that pain. Like we won't, do, we won't accept this anymore. Um, and so, uh, so that's been really powerful. Mm -hmm. And I... I of course, worked with um, work to plan Collective Day of Grief, and it was it was a an amazingly uh, powerful experience. And to do it with this coalition of of organizations, um, yeah, from from East Coast to West Coast, felt 
um, mm, talk about community, talk about Ubuntu. I am because we are talk, you know, like the, the building bridges that, um, across divides. It, it was, it was just an amazing experience. But I think one of the things as we talk about intentionality and how we curate these spaces that I want to name is that we had uh, a group of chaplains and healers who were on call. Uh, some of those folks connected to Faith Matters um, who were on call to, to attend to people. Um, and, and so that was a part of that intentionality, looking at our process. Um, what are we asking people to like lean into in this moment and how will we care for them through this moment? That was a part of that, that care. So I think that's important to name as people are, you know, dreaming about or continuing dreaming about creating these virtual spaces or continuing to do this. Um, that was that was um, that was an important point, I think, to to raise um, around how we care, how we care for one another. So uh, extremely impactful day. Uh, Francisca, would you like to share about? Sure. Um, I've participated in different types of gatherings and helped uh, put them together. So I. Um, helped coordinate a series of sessions for Mi Gente, which is a national Latinx hub for Latino, Latina, Latinx organizers. And it was for staff. And it was a combination of embodiment, uh, somatics, however you want to refer to it. So like mm -hmm. that um, will help us ground while in action and help us um, you know, be able to drop into our bodies and be more aware of the sensations that we're experiencing either in a moment of chaos, crisis, sadness, despair, anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just literally doing some um, skills sharing around um, our own nervous systems, right? Um, our nervous systems are doing the most, both individually and then I, you know, we are collective organisms and we are uh, organisms at scale. So um, I think as a whole country, uh, folks can actually be in a very particular place around anxiety or despair, whatever that is, illness, which I think mm -hmm. is the spirit. Um, and so uh, some of that uh, was with about 15 people. And that felt really um felt really good because people felt seen, felt heard, and they engaged in practices that they had never engaged in. And um, I, hope, or I hope that some of those tools are still being used right now as they're in the midst mm -hmm. of mobilizing, you know, swing states across the country to defeat Trump. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I hope that some of what we passed on and shared are, are things that they're doing when they get home uh, emotionally and physically exhausted mm -hmm. uh, from tons of conversations to what they tap into um, when they're anxious about the future and how this election will turn out. Um, and then we've also done with the Latinx Therapist Action Network, these big webinars that have been attended by several hundred folks who are both healers themselves and mental health professionals, and then folks that are working people in detention or around the immigrant rights movement who are literally um, trying to know that, that, that 
they don't have the skills to navigate so much grief and despair and stress in our people and trauma. And that we're able to share some of those skills, but also again, tools mm-hmm. um, that they can tap into in those moments where we won't have access to them and they won't have access to us. And they might not even have access to anyone else. Like we belong to ourselves first and foremost, before we belong to anyone else. Right. Uh-huh. Or any groupings. Uh-huh. And so how do we resource people in a moment of so much isolation? Um, and so that's been a lot of, of what we've done and we've really tried to make them practice and tool rich so that people do have, something to take away with with them that can really resource them in those moments um and bring in spirit right bring in ancestors bring in prayer bring in um you know meditation and grounding and, and really figure out how we can tap into people's um desire um we know that movement is precious and that all those who are in movement believe in something much bigger than themselves. Um, but sometimes even that can be limiting, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> to a bunch of folks who are, you know, in spirit yeah. work every day. Uh, so just kind of moving into remembering, right. Uh-huh. Remembering ourselves, remembering our traditions, remembering our connection to the creator and ancestors can be so incredibly grounding for folks. Uh-huh. I really appreciate you naming capacity building. That's what I hear you saying, like building our collective and individual capacity to weather this storm. Um, And and not just this storm, but the storms that will come, right? Because we know that the feeling of uncertainty right now that that is running through our bodies um, and and the practice of generative somatics, like I, yeah, I, I had a coach for the last like seven months. We just, we just kind of wrapped up and um, yeah, it was perfect timing. I didn't know it was going to happen during this, during this moment, but, but I, yeah, again, I appreciate you naming the capacity building, equipping people with the tools not only to sustain their own, the, themselves, but also to pass on to people to pass on to the folks in their houses, in their homes. Um, it's, I, I know my family has, uh, we've been doing Zoom calls, you know, this virtual space, right? Like we've been doing family Zoom calls. I'm talking to them more than I did prior to the, to the, the sense of urgency to be, to be connected, to know that everyone is okay. Um, and so we've been practicing breathing. I got them like breathing, deep breaths in and out. Where do you feel it? And <laughs> and you just have to know my family to, to know what those conversations are like. But um, it feels really important to pass on that practice when your anxiety is, is super high. When, yeah, like when, when you don't, when you don't know what to do with what is, what your body is holding, pay attention to it, take a moment, you know, passing on these practices. So um, it builds capacity for individuals and community. So I, I, Really appreciate you naming that, um, building tools. Yeah, Leah, what do you what do you have to say? What have y'all been doing? It's all good. It's it's this is so good, and uh, this face is like salve right now. Uh, <laughs> y'all don't even know. It's just mm, you mm-hmm. know, like the, the old folks say, the half has not been told or keep living. 
<laughs> this is this is really good for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I appreciate what you said about breathing. So I've I've been blessed to facilitate meditation uh, spaces. Uh, I for the past few years been working with Southern Fried Queer Pride, which is based out of Atlanta, but also runs out of Raleigh, Durham, Durham, mm-hmm. and um, and I lead a meditation for their festival and. Uh, I get to connect with people who reach out afterwards and um, it's just beautiful to bring in lots of different meditation practices for people. Um, One of the things I try to do is like when people talk about breathing, this could just be the Enneagram fourness and me pushing up against trying to resist, but I don't like it when somebody's like, take a deep breath and then let it out. I'm like, I'm going to breathe how I'm going to breathe. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to breathe as it's coming to me. And that's what I try to lead people in doing is breathe as your breath is coming to you, because mm-hmm. even that needs to be noticed. Mm-hmm. I don't like to force people to breathe in type of way. And I also bring in, uh, <laughs> you know, Lectio Divina from the, the, the mm-hmm. mystic Christian tradition. I bring in uh, Zen meditation from the Buddhist tradition. I bring in uh, Kemetic meditation. Mm-hmm. And I try to help people understand how breathing or chanting or, or sitting in silence or uh, reading and reciting sacred texts can really open them up. And so that's just been beautiful. And to just be in space with trans and queer people Uh who um, have, you know, so much to offer and to teach the world about queering, healing, and Uh and really embodiment, like what Francisco was talking about. That's Uh um, super, super important, particularly when talking about trans folk. And, and, and it's been uh, eye-opening for me to, to, to try practicing not re-traumatizing my body and others' <sighs> bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, when that trauma is compacted because we're just dealing with trauma, 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 and not the resilience side of things, mm-hmm. it, can be, um, it can do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. And you know, as a minister in the Christian tradition, I am trying to live out a vow of doing no further harm because the mm-hmm. Christian church has done enough harm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that's been uh, uh, really great for me in, in other spaces that I've gotten a chance to be a part of is just like, I feel like I'm getting real churchy and preachy, so y'all excuse me, but like we, we, we say, because uh, I grew up Baptist and I work in a United Church of Christ uh, congregation mm-hmm. and we believe in a priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. And that has been tested. How do I allow people to lead and not just me trying to be the one leading people through a moment mm-hmm. or a crisis, right? And uh, that was really evident to me um, earlier this summer uh, when uh, Rashard Brooks was killed at Wendy's. I lived mm-hmm. about six minutes down the street and his aunt lived on my street, actually. Mm-hmm. I got a chance mm-hmm. to talk to one of his aunts and uh, that first day of, of protesting the night after the, the police killing was uh, people leading their healing and testifying on the spot. I showed up as clergy and I put a call out for backup and, and all we did was show up to give people more space to do what they need to do without the threat of state violence. Mm-hmm. Because just the presence of the police and the SWAT and the helicopters and how they swarmed over that Wendy's parking lot and all of University Avenue mm. was just enough to, to shake anybody up. But 
what I felt and sensed was my role was just to listen to the people in my community who testified. And I tell you that that healing space was made right there. Mm -hmm. Um, And building relationships with people in the community, building trust in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. To, 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 To allow people to feel good about being their own healers. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the late ancestor Louise Hay uh, said, you can heal yourself. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. And I believe that sometimes healers um, and people who facilitate healing miss out on a lot when we don't allow ourselves to be transformed by others um, in that work. Yeah. Um, the, the, the last thing I'll say was recently I got an opportunity to um, work with a group called Somos South Georgia who is bringing awareness and attention to what many of you have probably heard about through um, nurse Don Wooten, the whistleblower who, mm-hmm. who told us about crimes against humanity. Ironically, we already knew that ICE and people being put in cages is a crime against humanity, but then the further violation of women's bodies and forced sterilization um, was something that we had to make space for. Uh, and so we did that on Indigenous Peoples Day amidst protesting and all the planning and and organizing that's going into future actions, it was just to pause and to grieve. And in my experience, and I don't want to speak for everyone who, uh, as a Christian or or your faith tradition, but there's not a lot of room in Christianity for grief and lament. At least we don't Mm -hmm. offer that. Mm -hmm. I think Jesus Mm -hmm. modeled it quite well, Mm -hmm. but we kind of skirt around that because that's the uncomfortable stuff. Mm -hmm. And just pausing uh, to do that, to lament, and then to let people speak and share their testimony was just a, a powerful healing experience. And so all of those look differently, obviously a lot of those different levels of risk with mm-hmm. the pandemic, but, um, but yeah, those are some of the things I've been blessed to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. I just, I wanna pause and give, give our panelists any, yeah, time to respond um, to what each other has shared. I know that, um, yeah, we have, we have a few questions that, that have come in from, from folks who are joining us today. Um, and so. I am, I just want to add that I am, um, so moved by what you're saying, Leah. I do believe that there's this way in which because I work with therapists, I'm not a therapist myself, <laughs> which I'm happy about. Um, I work with therapists, they're Latinos, and I feel like the Western sort of model of quote unquote healing is all kinds of screwed up, right? Um, and so we're, you know, m- the members of the network are reformers and they feel like they're, they really are trying to decolonize um, their practice. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do believe that um, we have all the ability to heal ourselves. And I think that part of the, the, the way in which we show up to even curate the space is exactly what you're saying. It's like, how do we democ- democratize um, the, these healing tools and these understandings? And not only that, but also rem- remind people um, that they have a lot of what they need and they just need to acknowledge it many times, right? It's there, it's been there uh, in terms of the resilience that we're innately born with. 
and the resilience that we can intentionally attempt to practice every single day as a practice that we want to build as a muscle that we want to to build right we we are what we practice the most and so I wholeheartedly believe in that. And um, before the pandemic, you know, we, we had a, a cohort of healers of, 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 of our members inside this immigrant rights organization called Puente who were essentially on the path to step into their healership, right? Um, all that sort of shifted. But I think that at the end of the day, that is one of the big objectives of these spaces, right? For, for folks themselves to step into their own healership first and foremost for themselves, right? Um, so thank you, thank you for, for sharing that. Uh -huh. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I resonate so deeply with um, what you said about we are, what we practice the most, that's so powerful. And I think, you know, I think one of the, the gifts of um, virtual space, gathering folks for healing, um, healing gatherings in virtual space, that, that's not the same in uh, physical space is uh, there is a real sense in which, um, well, let me say it this way. I have a lot as a clergy, I have a lot of clergy colleagues that are, that spend most of their time in terms of virtual space kind of pre-recording things. And I, and I see that that's, that's an important way that congregations are used to gathering to hear um, one person speak um, each week. And um, one of the things that's been a real gift of the way that uh, the neighbor movement uh, is organized as a more decentralized um, body of, of leaders is that when we gather, there's really an expectation. I love what, what Leah saying about like, you, you have to believe it. Like if you believe that people can heal themselves and you'll create containers okay. that, that make it possible for people to do that. And so one of the things that's been really powerful is being able to model in virtual space practices, uh, being able to destigmatize what is expected of you, to, uh, what, what's, what you're expected to bring with you. I think about um, an altar making workshop that one of our comrades uh, hosted um, and just help parents um, think through things that they just have sitting around their own homes to be, to be able to create altar spaces in their homes. Um, I love what Leah said about um, scripture. What does it look like for us to uh, we have a practice uh, that's a spin on Lectio Divina called Lectio Liberatio. And it's a way of reading the scripture um, in a way that uh, is, is listening for what the spirit is, is saying through a liberation, a, a voice of liberation and healing. And for people to learn the scripture anew and sacred text anew um, are just really powerful offerings that people get to see demonstrated. And by doing it over and over, week in and week out in virtual space, um, people, people begin to learn uh, what it means to not just do it for themselves, but to, to, but to pass it forward. Uh -huh. They know how to talk about it. We have a comrade who regularly surprises me, comes from a, a very unchurched, um, spiritually eclectic background, decided to connect with our faith community a couple of years ago. One of the things that, that always tickles me in, in times like these is to hear them begin to, 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 to use the language of, of our community. Um, uh, to talk to others about the kinds of practices that they are engaging in. And I just think that's so powerful um, because, um, you know, again, if we create the kind of containers, the last thing I say, we create the kind of containers that are democratized, that invite people and it really expect for people 
to be co co creators with you, to be co healers with you, um, that people arise to the to 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 people rise to the occasion um, because it's actually tapping into um, to a need. So so yeah, I, I really resonate so deeply with this important the importance of not just not just like I think it's important also for the folks who are on the the, the webinar to to hear that like and like, correct me if I'm wrong, Leah and Francisca, like, but part of what I hear us all saying that is a discovery for me because I'm just learning what you all have been doing too, is that when we say gathering um, in virtual healing space, we're not talking, um, you know, the sort of guru syndrome where, where we're up there sort of sort of creating followership. Like that's not, that's not what this is, at least what I'm hearing. And that's not what we've experienced either. It's more, how do we, um, create container spaces of healing where people um, realize the power the power they have to heal themselves and to mm -hmm. offer those tools and practices to others to be able to do healing work. So I just okay. resonate with that so deeply. Mm -hmm. I also I also hear like this sense of contain like creating these container spaces to to really acknowledge our interconnectedness that like we heal in community where where. We're liberated in community. Um, um, one of our elders um, said that we needed to take a holy time out to 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 wail, to lament, to grieve um, with each other in community. Um, and so, yeah, I I I agree that um, traditional Christian spaces don't allow for that. And so I'm also hearing like all creating alternatives, creating alternative spaces is what you all have been, been engaging in, what we've been engaging in um, is creating these alternative spaces. And speaking of alternative spaces, I want to, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a question uh, that from the, from the audience um, to, to you, Leah, um, we, we, we have been, um, throughout the, the past, you know, several months at different points in time, creating these pockets of healing, virtual healing spaces for, for queer folks and specifically for BIPOC, um, queer folks. And, um, there, there's been so much learning that has taken place, so much wisdom in those rooms, um, many of the folks offering practices um, have been, yeah, have been folks in right here in our community, right? Who are who are doing the work, who have been doing the work, practicing this embodiment. Um, and so, a question that came up was, yeah, could you expand on what you mean by um, queering healing? I just stuck my foot in and now I got <laughs> to figure it out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, uh, and I'm, I'm going to lean on my comrades too, Lauren, mm -hmm. but um, you're right. I mean, in a very literal sense, trans and queer people have been leading us in this mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know, somat somatics and embodiment, with uh, Prentice Hemphill mm -hmm. or 
beyond emergent strategy and pleasure activism, but just getting real about ourselves and our in our bodies and, and how we move through healing and even conflict with Adrian Marie Brown and mm-hmm. um there's so many others like but that is that has been a beautiful thing. So in, in one sense, when I talk about queering healing, I literally mean letting trans and queer people and other mar- marginalized people lead us, lead the rest of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like uh, our community, Lauren, has just been thriving in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And also making space for the margins within the margins of the, of the trans and queer community. So folks who are undocumented, folks who are disabled. Um, it's just been, it's been beautiful to see and to witness. And so that's in one sense, that's what I mean. Also, I think it's just what we've been discussing. It's those alternative ways mm-hmm. of doing healing that they may seem radical, but radical just means root. It means we're going back mm. to what we know. As Francisca said, what's already in us, we have everything we need, mm-hmm. but it's actually being able to remember. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said about that, Francisca, because um, a few years ago, I had the chance to listen to Elder Mama Ruby Sales, and she talked about how we are in a spiritual, a spiritual malformation of, of dismemory and our task in this moment and in the 21st century is to remember again mm-hmm. and so uh that is what queer and healing looks like it looks like you know taking what has worked before and really digging and that means we have to do our work we have to do our homework we have to read we have to we have to be willing to have conversations with our elders and respectfully push back when we need to but gather all of that wisdom Mm-hmm. that is already there because we're not the first people to do this by any means. Mm-hmm. Might be different circumstances, but we're not new to this, right? Mm-hmm. And so tapping into that wisdom, that, that Sankofa, going mm-hmm. back to get it so yeah. that we can actually move forward and build uh, sustainable containers, sustainable spaces for healing. Mm-hmm. That to me is queerly healing. And it's basically taking, you know, everything that we think we know and everything that we have been taught uh, for most of us in this Western capitalist uh, patriarchal society and flipping it on its head and going back to the things that we know work for grandma and them and so on and so forth. Mm. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know if y'all, I know Brandon, Francisca, y'all may have some yeah. ideas about that too. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do a quick time check, y'all. It's it's 420. I, I feel like, gosh, I feel like we're just like getting into it too. Mm. That's, um, yeah, that's tough. But I, um, yeah, I just want to invite each of you to give some, some final, some final thoughts, uh, final thoughts around, um, and it, and it could be like what, what you are learning and continuing to learn um, yeah, in, in this moment, I mean, we've shared so much of the learning, but if you could, yeah, if you could boil it down, um, and take a, yeah, definitely take a, take a moment and, and think, and think about it. But, um, what do you, what do you want to leave folks, folks with, um, yeah, your note, your noticings. What are you curious about? Um, 
any any of those. I'm happy Pick to, up any of them. Yeah, I'm happy to 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 get us started here, and just I, you know, I um I was listening to speaking of the elders, I was listening to a a, a, a panel or webinar um, that um, was an intergenerational panel talking up sort of putting young activists in conversation with elders. And um, one of our elders here in Greensboro, uh, mentor of ours, um, of mine uh, as well, um, Reverend Nelson Johnson was on there. And um, what, what, a lot of what they were doing was paying homage to Gracie Boggs, right? And one of the, 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 the whole, the whole um, um, theme was based on this idea that in peril, there's opportunity, right? Um, a quote from I would butcher the quote if I tried to requote um, Gracie Boggs, but the idea, what she speaks to is this idea that in, in the midst of great peril is also great opportunity. And so I think that for me, that's sort of what, that's been resonating with me. And so that's what I'm finding myself um, grappling with, resonating with, and uh, yeah, just encourage folks to 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 reflect deeply on that, that, that to both name the peril of what we have experienced in 2020 and before, but in particular in 2020, um, and also what opportunities and possibilities for creating alternatives for, for doing transformative work exist because of those, um, these perilous times. And then the other thing, again, leaning on what Leah mentioned about that we ain't doing nothing new, right? And there was a, another question that really um, that I've been grappling with the entire pandemic and throughout the uprisings. Lauren um, shared this with Lauren a ton and it came from hearing from Charles Cobb, who was um, an organizer with um, SNCC. And um, this past year, I think it was the 50th anniversary of, um, of, um, of SNCC, um, or the, I can't remember the exact title of the event, but SNCC convened folks and Charles Cobb was sharing um, a direct mentee of um, Ella Baker, and one, and, and he he posed this question that still haunts me to this day, and that I'm still that is still informing um, the healing work, the organizing work that I'm doing on a daily basis. And he says, "What is the conversation that I can have?" And he 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 contextualized it for Black folks. He said, "What is the conversation that I can have with Black folks that would commit them to the struggle for liberation for the long haul?" And you can contextualize that for yourself, right? Like, you know, um, you can take out black and put BIPOC, whatever, whatever the community is that you are called to serve with. Um, and this has certainly been my story of like, what is the conversation I can have? Not that I commit them to the struggle for liberation, but that they would commit themselves to the struggle for liberation long-term. What is that conversation? Um, and I feel like that is something that that without that kind of without that kind of tenderheartedness, without without that kind of proximity, without the kind of um, uh, invitation to slow down enough to have conversation with folks um, that we are trying to organize and that we are trying to see live fully into being um, healers themselves and providing the tools of of healing for others. Um, like I have to do the work of. Uh, listening and, and and really discerning the conversation that I can have that really taps into the meaning making they're doing um, that that they would commit themselves to the struggle for liberation and healing for mm -hmm. the long term and so um so that's been really yeah. powerful for me thank you Brandon thank you uh Francisca um <clears throat> God, there's so much I'll be brief uh I just want to I just want to say, Leah, that um, 
Black people and queer people have been literally my, my mentors in this mm. wild, radical lifetime of mine. Um, and, uh, and yeah, both from theorists, from people who are our ancestors in the movement and also people who are very much alive today and contributing so much. Uh, you mentioned Prentice, who was a good friend and, and who I learned so much from. Um, uh, and yeah, much more conversations on queer in the movement. There's so many ideas. But uh, I, what I would say is that it's not actually too different from what Brandon said. Um, I think there is a unique opportunity um, for those folks that are the grassroots organizers, movement builders, um, rebel rousers, uh, system changers, you know, those folks that lead, both that are the most impacted community um, and have the most vested interest in changing the system because they probably will benefit the most. And if they benefit a lot, then we all benefit, right? Um, I think there's an opportunity to elevate our, um, to understand that our pain is political and so must our healing also be political. And I think that um, that is both something we can continue to um, name and um, observe and show and do mini making around. And then that's also something that I see, uh, I see us like um, really sh shifting, um, shifting in the future. Mm -hmm. And I think there's no going back. And I'm really excited about, and that is something that for all those change makers in this space or who will listen to this, um, that I think, um, yeah, I think we're entering into a very different spiritual phase of our mm -hmm. movement um, that we haven't seen probably in, in my, at least my generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. We're birthing something. We're going to breathe our way through. Uh, Leah. Yes. What, what Francisca just said is, mm -hmm. has been something that's, I'm holding on to it. Now I realize that you know, when we speak things, we, we, we're giving them life and giving them breath and they might start moving. We got to be careful what we're saying. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm grateful for it. And it's just the, 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 the one thing I believe is um, there's a, okay, there's an old uh, hymn in the Black church that says, time is filled with swift transition. Mm -hmm. None on earth unmoved can stand. Mm -hmm. Build your hope on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Mm -hmm. And what, whatever that spirit is, because as Francisca says so eloquently, all of us who are in this work of building our way toward liberation, we are building the world we want to live in, believe that there is something, a force, bigger than ourselves uh -huh. that's calling us to the next uh -huh. and that is that 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 as we are doing the work of healing and healing ourselves and being healed that is prophetic work uh -huh. and so whatever that is for people tap into that uh -huh. Uh -huh. While this podcast is coming to an end, our work in the world is just beginning. 
This week's call to action is to consider what is the conversation I can have with my people that will commit them for the long haul? Hmm. I love that question, Mickey. We want to thank Lauren and Francisca and Leah and Brandon. Um, if you want to learn more about their work and follow them, you can check out our show notes. And I just want to take a moment to say that this has been a really incredible project to work on together. And it's been wonderful to have this time of reflection together. Uh, you and I, Carrie, just you know that I work with you every chance I get. And I hope we can keep getting into good trouble together in 2021 and beyond. So I'm so grateful to call you friend and for the work that you are doing and the work that we get to do together. So on behalf of Faith Matters Network and myself, I want to say thank you for Citizen Well's support of this series and for being our podcast partner. Oh my gosh. I wish you could see me right now. I'm grinning from ear to ear, but this has been so fun for me. You know, I, I typically do these on my own. And so it's been um, such a gift to be able to like collaborate and create with you. And also just to indulge really in these incredible conversations by these amazing people. Um, and I'm just so, I'm so glad that more people get to experience and learn from these conversations through the podcast. So big shout out to you, Mickey, um, for being who you are and for always saying yes to all of my crazy ideas. <laughs> and of course, to the Faith Matters Network, who I love and I love your work so much. And I want folks to know about y'all. So you all can check out Faith Matters Network. Um, at faithmattersnetwork.org. And of course, thanks to DJ Drez for the amazing soundtrack. You can check out his music at djdrez.com and to our executive producer who puts it all together and makes, makes it sound great. And honestly, Mickey makes us sound great. <laughs> exactly. Trevor Exter. And thank you all for being here today. You can stay in the know and engaged by subscribing to our free weekly newsletter, Well Read at citizenwell.org. Citizen Podcast is community-inspired and crowdsourced. That's how we keep it real. Join our community on Patreon for as little as $2 per month so that we can keep doing the work of curating content that matters for communities who care. And don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and share the love, y'all, by telling your friends to check us out.